did you have a nice summer break? Uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. The whatever it is, 20 minutes since we last recorded one of these has been extremely enjoyable. Well, of course, you know, World Cup Rankast is a completely different thing. World Cup Rankast head is in a different place to Rankast head. OK, yeah, hold on. Let me just remove all balance and acceptance that other teams are a thing we have to think about. OK, that's done. Good, good, yes. There is only one country that matters, and it's the Republic of Mancunia, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Have you had a good summer, Ed? I've had a pretty good summer, yeah, off on various travels around the world, as normal. But uh, I managed to catch uh, a fair bit of pre-season, although I was in some odd time zones uh, at the time, or on various modes of transport, but uh, caught some of it. It's, it's been, weirdly, I suppose, given how disastrous United's campaign was last year, uh, the most positive preseason in memory. I, I, I'm struggling to remember one better than this. And of course, there's context to that. And the context is the change in management and uh, just the refreshing uh, air that Van Hull has brought to United. But that aside, just a brilliant set of results, a couple of good acquisitions, uh, more to come, we suspect. And the whole place is feeling much, much more positive. Yeah, it's uh, it's been super exciting. I mean, you say you were on various modes of transport and in various different time zones. Of course, so were Manchester United. One of my very favourite things about Louis van Gaal's arrival was that in his first press conference, he had a moan about our terrible pre-season. And I thought, Ed's going to love that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I had the same moan last summer. I said, too much commercial activity, too much travel and very poor quality opposition. Uh, and this this summer, it's been too much commercial activity, too much travel, and and high quality opposition. Yeah, and uh, we apparently are much better. Either singer all stars are better than Real Madrid, or we have improved dramatically in the last twelve months. And when I say the last twelve months, I mean the last month. It's been an absolute breath of fresh air, hasn't it? It really has. But it goes to prove the point that we've we've said consistently through last season, really, that it actually doesn't take that long for a coach to instill a pattern of playing a philosophy. So he's got United playing nice football very, very, very quickly. In a, um, frankly, an alien formation. Um, call it 352, 532, 5212, 3412. That's what it is. That's what it is. I think it's 3412 yeah. because if you look at, I mean, in fact, the uh, as Jay would say, uh, if you look at the uh, the level at which the fullbacks are playing they're basically in a line with with the two central midfielders so it's a 3-4-1-2 which is what I've been calling it on the blog and I'm going to stick with it don't care if you think I'm a football hipster no but that's what it is because Mata is distinct from the midfield as well he he has a genuine free role behind the strikers he does yeah there's this new complex tactical system much more nuanced than anything David Moyes ever instilled uh, there's a, a positive vibe, there's a, a, a philosophy about attacking football, there's a thought that they're going to retain possession of the football, there's been some slick passing because the players are now allowed to express themselves in a way that they weren't uh, under Moyes. And and all of that has added to much, much more positivity. You know, Van Hal's had his moans, he's complained about the amount of commercial activity they've done. If you've seen any of the videos, there's some absolutely cringeworthy commercial stuff going on with the players having to sit in these nasty cheap Chevys and talk about how much they like them. Uh, and um, and and the like, and there's been much more than that. And there's been a lot of flying around, you know, fifteen thousand miles or whatever it is. So some of that has not been good, but the football on the pitch has been great. Van Hal working with his team, uh, which of course includes Ryan Giggs as assistant manager, now has been able to get them playing in a different way very quickly. 
I think we'll find when we get into the the main season that there are still some issues defensively to sort out, which you'd expect with that switch from a four to a three at the back. Um, but all in all, uh, I've really enjoyed pre-season. Yeah, me too. So Van Hals turned up and I have not yet learned the names of his coaches, but there's Frank Hoek and then there's the bloke who looks about 12, but actually has been coaching for 20 years because he got injured when he was uh, a young footballer. Um, but I can't remember his name. I will know it by the end of the season. I just don't know it yet. Uh, Ryan Giggs is still around. Nicky Butt's still around. Phil Neville's confirmed that he's left. Paul Scholes, he hasn't exactly confirmed that he's left, but when he could fit it in, in between uh, media interviews, uh, it seems likely that Paul Scholes isn't around. Do we know if Warren Joyce is still there? Yeah, Warren Warren is still around. So look, who are the, who are the new coaches? Uh, Franz Hook, the goalkeeping coach, which... Everyone in the world of football respects. He's been working with Van Hal for 20 years. He's also the tactical genius, although Van Hal made the decision behind that penalty shootout switch out, Tim Krul and Jesper Sillians. There's uh, Albert Stuyvenberg, if I'm saying that correct. He's, uh, he's going to be one of the assistant coaches, effectively replace Phil Neville. Uh, Marcel Boot, who's the, the opposition scout. He's been back in Manchester actually working with some of the players who weren't on um, the tour Jos van Dijk is the trainer who's been working them hard and Van Hal, as Luke Shaw knows, uh, demands a very high standard of fitness. Uh, that said, he's not having them running around uh, fields all day. He he has them doing you know, almost exclusively ball work. Uh, and then Max Reckers, who's the performance analyst that you, you talked about there, who's the uh, computer genius, as Van Hal uh, talks about him. He, he's going to be... Working with United's already established and and very large analytics department, which uh, takes all the performance data from Prozone and all the rest of the systems they use and and analyses United players' performance. I think it's very important at this stage to point out that Max Wreckers would be like an amazing dubstep DJ name. <laughs> well, may, maybe that's his. Uh, his uh, secondary, you know, his nighttime job. Yeah, potentially so. Um, the chap I was referring to was actually that first uh, gentleman you mentioned, the, the assistant coach. It, there was a very interesting interview with him on MUTV. Every time I've seen any of Van Hal's staff talk, they all seem incredibly switched on and competent. I don't know if you've seen, there was a video doing around that's like a 15-minute presentation Van Hal did to a bunch of Dutch business people and entrepreneurs at some conference and it was about his management philosophy and it's absolutely extraordinary the thing that I've enjoyed most about Van Hal's arrival apart from his uh, insistence on calling pre-season preparation time and uh, the trainer coach is the manager uh, which in itself is quite revealing uh, from a neuro-linguistic perspective and he calls his squad his selection that's always good but the thing that's amazing is how often he talks about the humanity of his players like when he was asked about his captain he said the first most important thing is what sort of human being is he the human connection between him and Van Hal, and it's just really heartening to see because here he is this incredibly kind of technically sophisticated tactically sophisticated super aware coach who's ultimately recognises that the job of a football manager is a, a fundamentally human job about human interactions. Well, yeah, in this there's much better continuity from Ferguson to Van Hal than there was from Ferguson to Moyes. And Moyes, the continuity coach who destroyed everything in his path and and uh, instilled this you know, sort of aura of negativity around the club. But yeah, that said, 
I don't think Ferguson could ever have articulated his philosophy or his management style or his decision making in quite the same way as Van Hal does. You know, Fergie's done the the case study with Harvard and given a couple of guest lectures, but it's much more instinctive. Whereas Van Hal, you feel rationalizes his decisions in a in a much more process driven manner. You know, and and we'll see whether that works for United or not. You know, I. There's a history of Van Hal that everyone's amazed by his tactical and coaching ability. Uh, he gets an awful lot out of the players very quickly, and then it hits a wall, and and the intensity of what he does becomes difficult for his players to take. And and you know we'll find out within the next couple of years whether that's true at United or not. I think he's just come into the club and feels like he fits right. You know this is United's first non-British or Irish manager. Yeah. In in 125 years of history of the club, uh, but uh, he feels like he could have been here for a very long time. It's been natural. He's he's got the presence that you require of a Manchester United coach. He understands big clubs. He understands the commercial stuff, even if he doesn't like it. He understands what these stars need, uh, and he realizes exactly what he's got to deliver at United. And so it's you know it's just a great fit, right man, right time uh, sort of feel about it, which was everything Moyes wasn't. You know, he didn't feel like the right man at the right time ever, and as a result, it all went disastrously wrong. I think whatever happens in the coming season, United will progress clearly, uh, and it's going to be a much more fun campaign than than the last one whatever the results and I don't actually we'll get on to a preview of the season but I don't actually expect United from from here uh, to win the Premier League but we've I think we've seen in pre-season exactly what the club's going to be about for the next year I mean it's pre-season has just been fun you said the word fun and that was what was missing last season right ultimately none of us are actually here for the glory in spite of the uh, accusations of uh, those who support other teams the best thing about supporting United is when they play great football and this preseason has been absolutely jam-packed with great football it all started with this 7-0 demolition of LA Galaxy and there was a huge like stop hitting yourself quality to that game there was a massive mismatch and considering LA Galaxy were halfway through the their actual main season I sort of expected it to be with everything that happened last season too I expected it to be really kind of tight and a bit difficult and a few heavy legs in there but instead United were just scintillating and Ander Herrera played the first half in the centre of midfield and pulled all the strings and then played the second half in the uh, one in the three four one two and and pulled all the strings again and he just looked like the perfect Manchester United signing, really, in that game. Well, he's looked positive all summer. He looks like he's going to be a very good signing. I mean, real judgment has to wait, right? Uh, I took some heat for suggesting that he was overpriced uh, when you compared him with Cesc Fabregas, for example. Not not that I think United made the wrong decision there. I actually think Herrera is in the, the system Van Gaal wants to play is going to be a very, very good fit and a very good player. But effectively, he's unproven at the, the very highest level. He's He's only a few months younger than Fabregas and has no international caps, right? So this is a guy who has to step up to justify his price tag. But he looks a very, very good player. And um, if he continues to progress, I think he's going to be an excellent addition to United. You know, he's he's everything we always said. He's he's tenacious. He's very neat in possession. He's creative. He can he can he's flexible and can fill in various different positions. I mean, he's going to be playing in that sort of two in midfield behind Mata, we assume, for most of the time. He has to add goals to his game because he doesn't get many. But uh, I think he's been great, you know, and he was very good in that 
first half against LA Galaxy and it was a complete mismatch. I mean, Galaxy, not a very good MLS side. MLS is not a very high standard yet, you know, progressing, but still at sort of championship standard. You know, United easily brushed them aside, as you'd kind of expect, but instantly felt that there was a difference, right? The passing was slick. There were some great goals. Even Lashley Young was great. Uh, and um, it was it was creative. There's one-touch football, 20-odd pass moves, and none of that we saw in the last year. So there was a couple of things that I thought were noteworthy about that game. First of all, after halftime, when he'd made nine changes, only Herrera and Fletcher were left on. But both of them went to new positions in the second half. So when when you first saw the, the team, it looked like he'd changed the system at halftime. But no, he was just playing Darren Fletcher as the third centre-back. <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny. And as you say, like Ashley Young, with glimpses of things to come, played the second half, not, not at wing-back, but at, as one of the two forwards, and uh, got onto the end of two and a Herrera through balls, both of which were beautiful, but both of which Young had a lot of work to do, and he did it extremely well and confidently. Yep, uh, I mean, I suppose the scoreline flattered United in a way because of three goals in the last five minutes. He could have been very different, but two fine finishes, from Young two goals also from Reese James who played at sort of left wing back and he had a very positive summer as well I'm not sure that he's going to be back up to Luke Shaw I wonder whether United still might acquire a player though of course we've seen Ashley Young at left wing back as well a rather odd sight that one but but he's done himself no harm Reese James if he's not part of Van Hal's squad then he's certainly going to get himself a very good loan move somewhere and then Fletcher yep slotted into the back three uh, given that United only have three defenders we might see that more than once in the coming season if if United do not buy in the next 23 days which would be um, a minor disaster if, if they don't buy a new central defender but you know you, you never know might see the Scott there uh, once more yeah absolutely the young lads Keane and Blackett the young lads that got real chances really were James, Keane and Blackett. There's a beautiful moment. So James started the game against Roma, a combination of his good form uh, in the LA Galaxy game and uh, Luke Shaw's relative lack of fitness. It's very important to state that Van Hal was not saying that Luke Shaw was unfit or heavily overweight or anything. He just wasn't fit enough to be left back for Louis Van Hal, you know, which is a, a kind of astronomical level of fitness. But there's a lovely moment before the intergame where um, Van Hal was asked who was going to start and he said, well, of course, our friend Reese James would have started and it was just lovely that he called him our friend Reese James. Whenever I think of Reese James for the rest of his career, that's what I'll be thinking of him in my head as our friend Reese James. Through these games, we've, we've kind of got a sense of what Van Hal's starting eleven is going to be. I mean, if, if Swansea was tomorrow and it's only a few days away and, and there are no more signings, I think we can guess what the starting eleven would be to one or two players, right? So we do that. Yeah. But at the same time, he's given everyone an opportunity. Well, maybe not. Wilfred Zaha, but you know. <laughs> well, no, he, he did he, he give Wilfred Zaha. Will Keane, Jesse Lingard, and Wilfred Zaha probably played the least of any players on tour, right? But, but yeah. you know, everyone else. And Nanny. And Nanny but it's been a disastrous preseason of him. He's gone, surely he's gone. It's just a matter yeah, yeah. of who's going to put a bid in that's substantial enough for United to accept. So, you know, everyone's pretty much got a chance, even if we basically know uh, what his first choice 11 is 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we come to the season preview, we'll talk about what needs to be added to make that starting eleven. Well, not so much the starting eleven even, but just to make there be a few more options for him in, in some areas. Because some of the, the fact that the starting eleven so easy to pick is actually a bit problematic, isn't it, for United? But mm. anyway. The real holes we know are in central midfield and, and central defence. And, and it was interesting that in central midfield, there weren't that many changes from the squad. You know, Michael Carrick's injured, uh, and so... Uh, Fletcher and, and Herrera and Cleverly played a lot of time on tour. Fellaini uh, was back at Carrington or getting a rest or trying to seek a transfer somewhere, all three. But in central defence, Blackett and Michael Keane got a lot of game time on tour and they both did very well for the most part. I mean, Michael Keane was criticised for the foul on Gareth Bale against Real Madrid. Very naive piece of defending, the kind of thing you'd see from Raphael, I'd suggest. <laughs> but Blackett was excellent through the tour. I mean, really did it. You know, a guy who's principally played, not, not all the time, but principally played at left-back through the youth sides, played a bit more in central defence at reserve level. But you wouldn't say he was naturally going to become a central defender for Manchester United, but he did very well. And this is the thing about the three at the back. In pre-season so far, and all this is caveated by, we don't know what it'll be like when the real stuff starts, but the three at the back thing has really not so much papered over the cracks as plastered over the cracks. Like it's a, a genuine sort of fix for some of United's defensive problems. Like all of Evans, Smalling and Jones look better for having both of the others with them, if you see what I mean. The central defenders are much less exposed in this system. There's more room for small errors and that makes a huge difference when you're bringing through young defenders because we've said time and again on this podcast, like, look at Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand wasn't brilliant until he was 27. You know, he was he was brilliant, but he wasn't consistently brilliant until he was 27. You know, it took him a while to get going. It takes... Central defending is a game for an older head. You know, you need the physicality of a young man, but actually the, those kind of impulsive decisions, that that Michael Keane decision uh, on Gareth Bale, it's so easy to make a mistake like that if you're a central defender. And, and having the three of them there, it just really looks to me like it, it just works beautifully. They've got really complementary strengths. And between the three of them, they aggregate into a, very high level defensive unit in a way that two of them individually don't well yes um i mean i think there still are some challenges uh, van hal needs if he's going to play three at the back he, he needs players comfortable in possession a player that's prepared to attack the ball and, and also players and this is the important bit prepared to to split and play in the, the channels when necessary right uh, and so i wonder whether he's quite got the balance you know in in theory evans smalling and, and jones give you that but I wonder whether there's just a lack of experience that he he might want to fill in there. The other real challenge with this formation is that it's going to leave United very narrow if if the opposition are able to isolate the two wide players and there's only two wide players in the entire side. So it it will lead to either uh, Rooney and Van Persie having to fill in the channels uh, or United being very very narrow for a lot of the game you know this is going to lead to challenges in the bigger games in the coming season of course no European football so 
a bit more predictable in terms of how the patterns of, of games will go, I suppose, in the Premier League. But definitely some challenges for United. And then defensively, the real risk, of course, is that the opposition is able to switch the ball when United is attacking on either side. And and certainly with Shaw and Raphael, if they're going to be the two sort of wing-backs, they'll both attack. And you wonder whether the lack of experience or lack of match now, in Raphael's case will cause a problem and they'll both go forward at the same time. We'll see. Van Hol try and coach that out of them. Uh, and the alternates uh, appear to be Valencia on the right-hand side, a role that may be made for him now. He, he can't actually take on a fullback anymore. And and there isn't one on the left-hand side, and it's been Rhys James and, and Ashley Young in pre-season, which challenging for both of them, James, because he's so inexperienced at this level, and Ashley Young because he's just not a wing-back. Well... A word about Ashley Young, and uh, and let's caveat all this again with the the fact it's only preseason. But you say Ashley Young's not a wing back, and he never has been a wing back. But it does look like it might be the making of him because Ashley Young has been outstanding on this tour. Not just good, not just okay, but outstanding. My player of the tour, actually, for United. Defensively, he's made very few mistakes when he's been playing at wing back. United haven't been hugely challenged by other teams' attacks, really. But going forward, he's like been incisive. His crossing has been super like really properly on point in a way that you just don't expect and of course we know that young can contribute to those you know tiki taka moves around the box he can do all the the little one touch passing and all that and that's been great and also his finishing has been excellent so like if this was just a, a five game freak a purple patch that's uh, going to be over as soon as it started then nobody would be surprised but he's definitely going to be in the first 11 on the first day of the season and he's he's absolutely played his way into that and if he can maintain anything like the kind of form he's in then he's only going to be competing Shaw's going to have to knock Ashley Young out of the starting 11 not the other way around you know well maybe look there's um so so it sounds ridiculous to say it but you can be blinded by goals right so he scored four goals um, which doesn't half leave an impression in the mind that he's been brilliant. But I think I think he has a problem tactically, right? So he's one-dimensional in his attacking sense. And uh, you, you're right, some of the crossing has been very good, but it is still cut back onto the right foot and deliver it to the back post, right? So that is his sole attacking move, as far as I can tell. Or that that, or, or cut inside and, and score at the back post, right? But he's not been doing that on the tour. He hasn't been playing in the same way. That's that's the thing about it. It's not just that the the output's worked. It's that the style has slightly changed. There's much more variety to it. Mm. We'll see. I, I mean, defensively, I, I have to say, I, I can't say I, I would trust him, right? So for the most part, United haven't been challenged. Uh, too much defensively, uh, you know, play some very high quality opposition, but but a week ahead or two weeks in some cases ahead in fitness wise. So um, that certainly helped. We'll see. I, I would, if I was an opposition manager, love to see Ashley Young at left wing back. Uh, I would isolate him quite quickly and, and attack him and see how he does with the defensive part of his game. Oh, we'll see, won't we, across the, the season. One thing's for sure, Ashley Young's not going to get sold. And I think that would have been... Not the case this time six weeks ago. We certainly would not have been sure about that, you know. 
So it's been a heck of a pre-season for him. Well, it has. I mean, you know, two goals against Real Madrid, uh, two against Galaxy. Uh, and, you know, it's been way more positive for him than perhaps we thought. You know, he's certainly outperformed Nani. So have I, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, United are horribly exposed in wide areas, right? And the theory might sound good, but the practice, I would suggest, once we get into the season, is, is going to be a problem, right? So Luke Shaw, yeah, 19 years old, totally inexperienced playing for a club like United. Bags and bags of talent. I don't have any doubt about how good he's going to become. But still, you wouldn't want to leave him on his own, right? And then Raphael, injury prone, which leaves us with Valencia, who's had two horrible seasons. If we're putting all our eggs into the Ashley Younger left wing back basket, then something's horribly wrong for a club of United size. So this is a major problem for United. Once you start totting these up, short at the back, uh, still a midfielder short, and then pretty weak in wide areas, it starts sounding not very good. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer after a very positive pre-season, but, you know, I think those are probably the realities once we get into competitive football at Premier League level. Yeah, I have to say, though, the flip side of that is playing in a 3-4-1-2, the problems are much lesser than they would be if we were playing in a different formation. Well, that's why we're playing in that formation, right? He's 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 negating the weaknesses. But, uh, you know, there aren't too many sides that have won the Premier League playing three at the back. And uh, well, none as far as I can remember, and not too many have done it at European level either. So I think this is a. I wonder whether this is a patch for a season, and uh, it's going to take Van Hal two or three transfer windows to get the squad up to the quality he wants, and and then we might revert back to four three three. Well, I think he's been very clear about that, hasn't he? He's been very clear that the reason that he's playing this system is because he's the squad's unbalanced, and this is how he can fit all United's best players in, and he still can't quite fit all United's best players in. Uh, we've we've lapsed into full season preview territory, and in fact, I wonder if it might be worth taking a break from hearing our voices. We're joined now by a series of special guests. So for this very special season preview podcast, I thought it'd be nice to hear a few other voices other than just mine and Ed's. So for the next 10 minutes, you're going to hear in the following order, uh, Musa Akwanga, football writer and poet, Dan Harris of The Guardian, Liz Worsley, friend of the rank cast, Sam from the Red Mancunian podcast, uh, which you should definitely all listen to, uh, Steve Burns from the Video Gamer UK podcast, which you should also all listen to if you like video games, and last but very much not least, the original friend of the rank cast, Awate. I am always someone to temper my optimism with realism, and I think they will finish fourth, only because I think that Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal have better squads and have strengthened better this year so far, although Herrera and Schaubin fell healthy conditions. Um, I think that Chelsea will win because they're hungrier than, than City will be this year, and they've got, obviously, Costa, Fabregas um, and, and Luis are great additions. But I just think that Van Gaal will have a couple of signature results that will really surprise people. The only thing that will cost Van Gaal this season is the strength and depth, I think. But I think that he is going to have notable victories against the top three, the, the three teams that I think actually might still finish above um, United in the league. People feel like they've got United back in some way. United will be better next season. I think that we may get to win some things or we may not, but the football will be better. But even aside from the football, it just, it won't be dull. Like Van Gaal is a fascinating man. He's great in press conferences, which ordinarily sounds like a completely nonsense thing to say and that who cares how good they are in press conferences. But that's part of where he's imprinting his attitude 
attitude on the attitude of United, which meshed together very nicely. I like to think of um, last season kind of like the Empire Strikes Back. You know, it was just a bit of a terrible, terrible mess for the Rebel Alliance. And uh, I'm really excited about how we're going to bounce back under Van Howell because he's got such an aura about him and it's amazing how he he's really managed to transform the the team in such a short space of time while he's been with them on the preseason tour and i just think that everybody must be absolutely buzzing at the club to get started again and really try and change what happened last season and and just get back in into the the top four you know um it's funny uh any season in which David Moyes and Manchester United are unrelated now just seems like a, you know, a, a basket of flowers and you know with rainbows everywhere. So uh, the expectations are that I might actually see the team pass the ball to each other through the middle of the park um, and not have 87 crosses a game. I'm looking forward to it not being last season. I think uh, the last actually the last game I was at because of work and what have you was Fergie's last home game. And uh, when I arrived uh, at the ground a couple of hours before, there was a, an almost kind of atmosphere like it was we were arriving at the end of an era, which we were, but also like it was someone's funeral. And uh, in my experience, at least, it was quiet. There was there wasn't a lot of like chatter. Usually on match days, there's a, you know, a great buzz around the ground. But a lot of people, including myself, were you know upset that this was the last time they would go to Old Trafford and see Alex Ferguson there. And uh, then he gave them the famous or infamous now, you know, got to get behind your new manager. And there was, you know, in, again, in my experience, uh, a wave of kind of optimism. People, you know, Rio had scored late and, you know, everyone was, you know, the trophy presentation had happened and I, I was feeling you know pretty good. And I liked David Moyes and, I liked, you know, the work that he'd done. But from the beginning of that, from the preseason games that we were losing to nobodies, like less than nobodies, to everything that was coming out of the media or everything that he was saying, and then the results as they got through, it was just, it became a bit of a slog. Whereas, obviously, preseason, this season has started fantastically with a win over, you know, Liverpool and many others, good teams as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Van Gaal copes with the Premier League, but also how he takes Manchester United forward, not just in his tactics, but in the optimism and the fight that he puts into players. I like the, the way we play football now. Again, finally. To see back heels back, I mean, Danny Welbeck's in a, you know, he's, he's, um, he's our most valuable player now because it's one touch, back heels everywhere. And he is, the king of backhill. I'm most excited uh, for this new season by the passing combinations we've seen. You know, we've seen some amazing combinations. Uh, LA Galaxy, Real Madrid alike have been, you know, really, really just like reduced to ribbons by some of the movement of the passing, really dynamic. And these, this is this is effectively the same group of players, apart from Herrera, who has been in his short time at the club, really a great galvanising force in the middle of the pitch, and and, and effectively fantastic. The thing I'm most looking forward to is just great football. It's not really the expectations of winning a trophy or anything. That can wait. I just think the exciting thing now is it feels like United, you know, we've got our team back and that's the best thing that anyone could say as a fan. 
I think he signed two good players. Luke, Luke Shaw, I think everyone thinks, is going to be an excellent player. Uh, yes, he was expensive, but it sounds it's hard to, to know when, it, when, when you talk about something like that. Yes, he was expensive, and then you think, well, it's not our money. And then you think, well, yes, it is our money. But ultimately, yeah, it really doesn't matter what money United spend on individual players because the Glazers are going to take what they take. You just At this point, there's been so much not spending of money, you just want the players. So Luke Shaw is going to be an excellent player. He's looked really good in preseason. Uh, obviously he's not as felt as uh, the rest of us but that'll come um, and Herrera also looks an excellent player I've not seen lots of him playing in Spain but I like what I've seen he's really good on the ball always looks to pass the ball forward looks for space and uh, has a really heartwarming snide as well so uh, yeah excellent in the ones that have turned up but we need I mean we need at least one more midfield player and a centre back and maybe a wide player and if we got another three players then we could really hand out some of the punishment beatings that are due I, th- I think if we can get a really good battling centre midfielder I think we stand a really really good chance of getting right at the top um, I think we also need to get a, a very decent centre back as well um, the defence did, did quite well in pre-season but you know, they're, they're also injury prone. Evans, Jones, Smalling like, just have a habit of all getting injured quite often around the same time. And I think we desperately need another, at least one more defender. So um, I think if we get some really decent signings in, like um, a good a good uh, midfielder, defenders, and maybe even Quadrado as well, I think, I reckon we could actually win it because I think we're going to throw everything at, the league now um, obviously we're not being in the Champions League I think we need to throw absolutely everything in uh, getting back in, in the top four and and I think we'll I think we'll do it and I think we'll knock Liverpool back out <laughs> and uh, but if I was going to if I was a betting person I I would actually say that I reckon we could win it this year if we if we managed to make some some more high quality signings I think the sense of excitement going back to Old Trafford again. It, it, you know, I know this. This is going to come across and, and sound kind of pretty spoiled, but it, it became a, almost a, like a drudgery to to go um, just about last season. So I'm just. You know, we're as we record a, a, a week and a day away from the, the home opener, and I just I can't wait to get there. Well, last season I was in. I was very bullish. I was like, man, I'd, of course they're going to they're going to be around. Going to be around like third. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll take third. I think a lot of Man United fans were like that. It's hard after the, all the years of success to not be conditioned to think like that, even when such radical change. But I'm a bit more cautious this year. I think we still got to buy. Uh, Vidal saga seems to be rumbling on. Uh, today, there's been rumours about De Jong and other players. I'd be happy with, I'd say, top four. Third, so I mean, obviously, I would prefer that we won it. But if Man United finished third, and we'd picked up a couple of uh, really good results, sort of maybe if we went far in one of the cups, Sarah, maybe if we won the FA Cup or something, which we haven't done for uh, quite a long time, though, I'd say yeah, that that would do. I'm more excited about seeing the young players. Um, I think Tyler Blackett looks fantastic. I think he looks incredible. I, think, I was watching his his. Um, compilations on YouTube he doesn't lose the ball that often and he always picks really difficult but really penetrating passes from the back um, Jesse always scores from outside the box but he's also a really neat and really hard working player 
Will King didn't really get a chance, but his brother, his brother did. He didn't really, you know, he conceded two penalties. The first of which being a ball, you know, someone smashed the ball at his hand, so it wasn't really his fault. But hopefully that won't be held against him. Maybe, maybe they can, maybe him and Tyler both need to go out and loan. But we've got some really good young players. It felt bad, felt odd complaining last season that United should do this, United should do that, because ultimately we've had years and years of success, and prior to then we suffered years of watching Liverpool win everything in sight, and there was no point wetting the bed over one bad year. It was just more the frustration at it needn't be this way. Um, but the glee with which everyone else appreciated that, I mean, I don't resent them for it because that's what football's about. It's uh, an opportunity to experience the kind of schadenfreude and hatred that you try and shut out of your normal life. Well, sometimes anyway. So I don't, I don't resent them for that, but I am looking forward to the revenge and not just the revenge teams like Liverpool but not and Chelsea and not just them, but also teams like Sunderland and Newcastle who sort of turned up at Old Trafford or wherever else we played them, enjoyed the fact that they were beating us and uh, yeah, the, uh, the unbridled glee with which they appreciated it as a fan of any team would. Well, it will be nice for uh, some hidings to be handed out and with the attacking players that United have got, that is a possibility. I mean, even Ashley Young's looking decent. I mean, what's Van Gaal's a miracle worker. So you heard there from Musa Okwanga, who you can find on the internet at Okwanga, Dan Harris of The Guardian, who you can find at Daniel Harris, Liz Worsley, who is at Liz Worsley, Sam from Red Mancunian Podcast, who is at Centre Sneak, or search Red Mancunian on iTunes, at the Steve Bernio is where you can find Steve Burns and also you can find his stuff on Video Gamer UK and at Awate91 is where you can find all the details about Awate including information about his forthcoming album Wow, great stuff Well, uh, so look um, on my mind is transfer business I, I uh, have studiously avoided talking about transfers on the blog this summer to, to be honest I've studiously avoided doing much on the blog this summer uh, sometimes it's nice to take a break, plus I've been on the road loads. But transfers are on the mind. United have spent 50-something million pounds on Luke Shaw and Ander Herrera. I'm pretty certain it's going to turn out to be good value for money. You know, if a little overpriced on both accounts for different reasons, right? Shaw, because he's English, Ander Herrera, because we just had to pay the buyout or he was never going to come. But it feels like United are still short and, uh, in my mind, still short of a left wing back cover. It doesn't have to be another £30 million player there. Uh, a central midfielder, and that has to be a £30 million player or more. And maybe an attacking wide player, that's a lower priority, but definitely an experienced central defender. Yeah, I mean, I think of those, the priority in my mind is extremely clear that the central midfielder is by far the most important. Like, people talk about the importance of getting in a new defender, and I do think that matters, but I don't think it matters anywhere near as much. Because it's three at the back, you can play Carrick there without it being a disaster. You can maybe even play Fletcher there without it being a disaster. You can certainly play Blackett or Keane there without it being a disaster. The problem comes if two of Smalling, Evans and Jones are injured at the same time, as they very likely will be. That That's when you've really got a problem. And the other problem comes if you want to start talking about the very top level of competition, which we're not really going to have to worry about this season too much. But central midfield, if Ander Herrera gets injured, we are completely up a creek because 
Michael Carrick had a terrible season last season, is now 33 and is going to miss the first 12 weeks of the season with an ankle injury. You know, that that is a recipe for disaster. And Well, some would say he misses the first 12 weeks of the season generally anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, some would say he misses all the time, everything all the time, because they hate him with every fibre of their being for weird reasons. But yeah, so there's no way he can do it again, as he did two seasons ago. Cleverly, unfortunately, Cleverly was one of the few who got a good number of chances on in preseason and didn't really impress. He mm. he doesn't look to have come on, no. and it, it might just be that that's going to take a bit longer for the Van Hal effect to kick in, or it might be that Cleverly's done. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, Fletcher was great though, and Fletcher's had a brilliant preseason, uh, and he he looks almost back to his best. I mean, when he when he came back last time, I didn't feel that he was dynamic enough right and and that's the the thing that kept Fletcher at Manchester United that energy and and this preseason it feels like he's got some of that back the big caveat the really big caveat is that he hasn't completed 30 games for four seasons now right so uh, and uh, his illness is managed he's had the operation he's back but will he be able to play in pretty much every game for United. I'm not sure. I mean, it's genuinely remarkable that he's playing football at all, Fletcher. So the idea that he could somehow come back and play a 30-game season seems... I don't know how much you know about ulcerative colitis, but it seems absolutely extraordinary that he, he that he's even... You know, it's a debilitating illness. It's not permanently debilitating, by which I mean you're not always experiencing the symptoms of it. But when you are, it's it's a really nasty one. So it's a right pain in the ass. Oh dear. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the thing with Fletcher. So Herrera gets injured, and we really are in very deep problematic territory. Very much so. Which is why Edward Wood is is working his phone hard to bring uh, Arturo Vidal to the club. How's your ITK situation this summer, Ed? Uh, I pretend not to be any ITK. I I don't do that business. Well, I I do talk to various people who I I trust and a few agents and stuff. But uh, I I think this one is down to uh, a fee being agreed, uh, Juve backing down on their stance because they they will sell and and United being happy with the players fitness and and it could still happen. I think those are the two things aren't they? We've got a dueling, I mean maybe signed by the time you're hearing this, but uh, we've got this dueling thing of like will United pay the fee? I think to be honest they'd pay anything for him really, wouldn't they? You know, there there'd be a level they wouldn't go to, but that's not what Juve are asking. 45 million for Vidal if United are satisfied by his knees. There was that, I think that the most telling quote really was Sao Paulo, uh, the Chilean coach, talking about it and, and saying that Van Hal is, is worried about Vidal's knee. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable concern, actually. I mean, we all want Vidal, of course we do. It would be unbelievable, a dream signing. But you can't spend £45 million pounds or euros or €60 million euros or whatever the fee amounts to on a player if you don't think you can get football out of him. Well. Well, no, quite. I mean, we all remember Owen Hargreaves, right? It's very fresh in the memory. So, look, uh, money is of no concern now, right? So um, uh, it was very interesting that the Adidas deal, £75 million a year, also contains the clause uh, that will reduce that fee by 30% if United are out of uh, the Champions League in consecutive seasons. I actually think, or was surprised, there weren't more of those clauses in United's contractual arrangements already. Maybe sponsors didn't believe that United would ever drop out of the Champions League. So, so that, that gives a different imperative now. So the Glazers' business model does not require United to win the league or the Champions League for it to function, but it does require United to be in the Champions League. So 
United do have to spend money to get up to the level of quality that will guarantee that. Right now, United are going to have to beat out one or both of Liverpool and Arsenal to a Champions League spot. Uh, and that's not a guarantee, right? You, you kind of suspect it will happen, but it's not a guarantee. So an insurance policy needs to be bought. And if it's a £60 million insurance policy in the shape of Vidal, then so be it. You know, that money doesn't matter. You know, over the bigger piece in terms of the pool, uh, the risk to pool of revenue that is at stake if United don't make the Champions League. So I don't think United should be concerned about the fee, but the fitness is a massive thing. They can't spend the money and him not be available. That said, uh, right, he played through the World Cup with effectively with an injury. He didn't have a career-threatening injury to start with. The concern is about whether he's done any more damage when he's truly fit and whether there's any long-term problems as a result of him playing through that injury. And if we don't get Vidal, then it's going to be a short-term solution until Strootman is fit, I suspect. I mean, two days after Edward Wood said United wouldn't have a problem breaking the transfer record, Roma said, all right, then we're going to ask for £80 million for Strootman, which was sort of hilarious. Class- classic Woodward, you know, talking a big game in a, in a way that's... I, I think Woodward's had a relatively good summer, assuming we signed someone. Certainly PR-wise, he's done all right, but that was just that's just such a stupid thing to say in public isn't it you know but anyway Van Gaal loves Strootman obviously and there's been talk of Nigel de Jong there's been talk of Alex Song there's been talk of Daley Blint none of whom are players that get the heart racing but all of whom I'd take at United as a sort of short-term solution because we need numbers yeah but you know this is the Liverpool method to degrading quality isn't it by mediocre players and expect that having multiple mediocre players will make you better you know so De Jong I don't think is good enough for United we're not going to get more out of him than uh, he's ever demonstrated in the past Alex Song, ditto really. I think he would he would just be squad filler. Uh, Daily Blint's interesting because he's he can play multiple positions. You know, he's a Dutch John O'Shea, isn't he? So for that reason, I'd be I'd be more interested in having him at the squad, even if he's not that tough tackling midfielder than I would with De Jong uh, or Alex Song. Blint's major problem, and it is a major problem, is that he lacks pace. You know, and he's not suddenly going to develop that. So can United cope with that? That's why his fee would be 15 million and not 35 million. The big one is to get a a really, really high class midfielder. And I think once if Vidal doesn't happen for whatever reason, uh, then United have have a big question about whether to go and try and prize a top midfielder out of another club. And most of the top midfielders are at big clubs. They've all moved in the last couple of years, haven't they? This is the problem. Tony Cruz has gone to Real Madrid now. It does look like Van Gaal didn't want Cruz, which is, I don't know, that's weird. But Well, you never want a player when he's got his heart set on a, another team. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if that was what was the case, then that's, that's all fine. And that's why Real Madrid can sometimes offer smaller transfer fees for really brilliant players, because the player really wants to go to Madrid, right? Talking of which, Real Madrid's ridiculousness has hit proper Galacticos heights hasn't it uh, 60 million odd for James Rodriguez I mean uh, they had to buy a star player right every summer and, and, and um, it's interesting that until the World Cup I don't think they'd actually identified who that star player was going to be this summer there was, there was some th- thought that Luis Suarez might be the one, obviously, he's gone to Barcelona, but um, James Rodriguez is not only the best player at the World Cup, but the top goal scorer and the scorer of the best goal. Um, I forget the the nonsense that was giving Messi the golden ball. They've got their man, you know, and uh, it, it's it's going to impinge on another player they spent a lot of money for, which was Isco last summer. So 
you know, he's going to sit on the bench an awful lot. But yeah, it, with Rodriguez and Bale and Ronaldo and perhaps even Falcao, it seems like they're close to doing a deal. And Tony Cruz pulling the strings in midfield. Kroos and Modric in central midfield. It's, it's not going to be fair. pretty good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, if they get rid of Kadera to balance the books, then that's going to imbalance their midfield a little bit, right? They do need some steel in there too. Uh, Ila Romendi might have to step up to the mark. He didn't last season. But yeah, all through that side, they've got huge, huge quality. And, and you know, compare that with the United squad, and we're a long way behind right at the moment. Um, doesn't mean that three or four big signings wouldn't help bridge the gap. No, absolutely. And of course, like, just in case there's any Barca fans listening to this, they're, they're, they've done well too. But we're not talking about them because they've crossed the line to the true evil empire darkness territory well they have yeah so you know if you uh, if you were ever tempted to support Barca over Madrid you know Franco's Madrid and all that um, you might not be tempted to do that anymore given they, uh, they've they got the biting racist on board uh, it'd be interesting to see how that I, I, we're going off track here of course talking about the Spanish league when we're supposed to be previewing United but it'd be interesting to see how that works you know Messi has to play through the middle right it's Messi so Suarez is going to play in a wide position so is Neymar so there are three players who all want to play in exactly the same position, effectively the false nine, but only one of them will. Yeah, and that'll be messy. But anyway, that's, they've got, they can worry about those problems. We'll worry about having two fit central midfielders to put out on the park. <laughs> that's right. Look, you know, we, we have to worry about how we cram Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia into the same I mean, side. I think the left wing back position is less problematic than you think it is, but we'll see. Uh, and you may well be right about that because I might have been blinded by Ashley Young's five-game good run um, and Rhys James not looking bowed in that position. And the thing with Van Gaal is you really can consider the youth team as part of the squad in a way that you couldn't with even Ferguson in his latter years. You know, it's not like Ferguson was, you know, very, very quick to bring young players through. Certainly by the end, he was waiting till they'd had a season on loan. Van Gaal won't do that. You know, he will He will just chuck a young player into the squad if he believes he's good enough. I think you're right. One player, young player he didn't chuck into the tour was James Wilson, who, uh, just to prove a point, uh, scored four goals in the Manchester Senior Cup final against Manchester City <laughs> last week. Uh, quite yeah. impressive. I mean, all-round performance. He's a, he's a guy who's really growing up. Look, there's some holes in his game, uh, as you kind of expect with such a young player, but he's absolutely electric with and without the ball, and he's getting much better in his all-round game. Uh, he's as quick with the ball as he is without it, and his finishing is superb. If he doesn't make it, there's something wrong with the world. Uh, then again, look at what happened to Ravel Morrison. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I say that as a as a as a note of caution that young players can go awry, not quite in the spectacular fashion that Morrison has arrested again this summer, as well as being pictured pimp like in a sports car with some uh, some of his hose surrounding him. You know, it might not happen for James Wilson, but if it doesn't, it's really sad because he's he's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the Ravel thing is truly horrific if he's done what he's been accused of doing that's uh it's been really clear all along that he's a very very troubled individual and it sounds like that's might have manifested but anyway hope for uh, uh some sort of resolution to all that uh although it's gonna be difficult it's difficult to see a good way out of that one the james wilson thing he's got a problem that he's a centre forward it was the worst because if only he was a brilliant central midfielder he'd be in the squad straight away looking forward looking ahead to to how this season's going to work there are three 
berths for forwards, wide forwards, unless they can defend are, are out of luck. So Will Sahar is probably going to go on loan, I suspect, rather than be sold if Van Hal's seen anything in him because you bring him back when we do switch to a 4-3-3 in a season's time. Valencia, he's got a, a role to play because he's, he can do the defensive work. There's no place in the squad for Nani, uh, let alone the first team. So you've got Juan Mata, who is the natural number 10 and should, right, by rights, be the first choice in that role. You've got Fantastic backup for him in Kagawa, and I think Kagawa's impressed Van Hal on tour. That's my impression of it. Well, there was some talk that um, he might try Kagawa in a, a slightly deeper role, which I think he's good enough to play um, in a three. Right, so it, I wouldn't want to play him in a four-four-two in a in a two-man central midfield, but in a three with Mata just ahead, it's possible. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen because it didn't happen on tour but oh well it did it did sort for a half didn't it um but there's definitely an option there i mean i think it was telling because he said i wanted to try kagawa as a six or an eight then he tells me his best position is number 10 i've tried him there and he looked a lot better and he did he just he just did he just looked you know it's the old the whole kagawa story but actually that <laughs> that the great irony of this is that three four one two is perfect for kagawa as the one it's just that matters better you know but to have really truly world-class backup who can also do a couple of other jobs in the squad you know that's well there's some logic to saying that kagawa doesn't stay at the club right and it's because uh not only is there matter that can play in that position rooney can although you know we can argue till the cows come home about actually if he's any good in that position uh, i'm not sure he is and i think his revival this summer is a lot to do with the fact that he's playing up front um, then there's Kagawa and of course there's Yanazai who's that's his natural position right he's certainly not going to be playing in a wide position this season he's not going to be playing at a wing back but uh, just behind the two forwards is is a perfect position for him so United are very well stocked in that role they are the other position that Yanazai could play is in the role that Welbeck was doing because we've called it a 3-4-1-2 and that might be a bit hipstery already but you could also call it a 3-4-1-1-1 uh, because the two forwards don't don't fulfill the same role and Welbeck really was dropping very deep they, well they both were Rooney and Welbeck were sort of alternating dropping really deep and and contributing to the link-up play but there's a problem when you change that from being Mata, Welbeck and either Rooney or Van Persie to Mata, Rooney and Van Persie and that is that you drop this huge amount of pace and energy out of the side and then you really are looking at some slightly more pedestrian speed that the, the game's been played at. Of course, you've got this incredible level of quality and it has been a delight to see Wayne Rooney. I mean, he really looks like he's seizing this opportunity, doesn't he? He, doesn't, he looks incredibly fit. He looked as motivated as I've ever seen him in a pre-season and he scored an absolute ton of goals and he, even if I'd have made Ashley Young player of the tour, you can't argue too much with the sponsors making it Wayne Rooney. No, look, he, uh, he looks on it. Uh, he looked on it for part of last season too so uh, we'll see whether he can sustain it I think the miles on the clock do tell with Wayne Rooney he's going to give us energy and some pace still at the beginning of the season it may fade towards the end of it we'll see but you're absolutely right to point out United's lack of pace Um, as soon as you pull Nani out of the side not that he's been in the side much for the last two years and Valencia is at fullback then there's a lot of dynamism is missing from the side you know massive quality on the ball a little bit pedestrian perhaps uh, but he can switch it up Van Hal, right so Welbeck's definitely got a role to play this season and 
Uh, Van Persie's in his 30s. Uh, I think uh, really fitness concerns will play a part at some point in this season. I think Welbeck's going to play a lot of games. Hernandez is the one that's not going to play a lot of games uh, because he's much more one-dimensional. Uh, and he might not play any games at all for United if he's off, which he might well be. Yeah, he should go. He should just go. I don't dislike him. He's a fine player and I'd love to see him, whatever, Atletico Madrid or whatever, scoring 30 goals a season. That'd be great. But he's not going to play anywhere near every game for United. And you really might as well start to bring James Wilson through instead of Hernandez, I think, in if you look at that fourth striker position. Mm. Well, yes. Look, so so the, the calculation is if you're going to play two strikers every game rather than one, which United have played for the last few seasons, then you need four strikers. Uh, and uh, because I don't really think any of the other players are going to play up there, I suppose a stretch you might play Ashley Young, but you'd really rather not. Yanazai too, maybe as the oh, second. Yanazai too, yeah, perhaps as you know the fourth choice. The question, the calculation is this, right? Do you keep an experienced player like Hernandez there because because you might need him, right? Rooney and Van Persie are not always fit, right? And there's there's a very good chance that one or both of them will be injured uh, for long spells next season which leaves you with Welbeck who doesn't score a lot of goals, and then what, right? So you might well need Hernandez. If you let Hernandez go and bring James Wilson into the squad, is he going to play enough games to help with his development? Is it a season of stagnation if he just doesn't play enough? Because there's not an awful lot of reserve football to be had. Uh, there's, uh, there's this thought that uh, there might be an additional European competition at under-21 level. So there's the, the UEFA under-21 Champions League, whatever it's called, uh, the Barclays Under-21 League, Elite Development Squad League. They keep changing its name every year. Um, and then there's this thought that uh, eight Premier League sides plus eight from European sides will have another tournament. It's not been ratified by UEFA yet, and in theory might not happen, though it probably will as a non-sanctioned tournament. But there's still a lack of football at that level. So James Wilson, you know, he could be in a position where he's just not playing enough games, uh, and that wouldn't be good for him. He also might be in a position that alone might not be that good for him, right? Does he go to the championship as an 18-year-old where it's ultra-competitive, there's 46 games, it's physical, and he might be a superstar off-the-bench type player? Is that good enough for him either? I, I don't think it is. I think he'd be better off staying at United under you know, under Van Gaal for a season. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how all that pans out. But whichever way you spin it, there isn't really room in the squad for Hernandez. I would say. No. And with no European football, I think United can play with a smaller squad. So, you know, my my temptation would be to let Hernandez go, uh, loan out Wilfred Zahar or just take a fee to sell Fellaini. Whatever fee you can get, just take it. We're going to be subsidising his wages, aren't we? That's what's going to happen with Fellaini. Well, yeah, it's the final insult, isn't it? You know, he goes on a loan to Napoli. This was the mooted proposition. Seems to have been rejected by United. Uh, United would pay half his wages. <laughs> Uh, just to get him off the books, Jesus Christ! It's 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 a mistake that keeps on giving that one, isn't it? Um, uh, and and then there's a question mark about Kagara. I think if you really wanted to slim down the squad because you were going to bring in another couple of players, then you could let him go. I, I'd be really loath to because he's he's such a fabulous player to watch, and I think if for any reason matter he's not fit or needs a break or whatever, 
um, uh, or you just want to change it up and get more pace into the side, then then Kigawa is a, a brilliant choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we had European football this season, there's just no way you'd be talking about getting rid of Kagawa in that system, would you? Because we have got all these number 10s, but we've really only got two that we know can definitely do it in this system. Because even Yanazai, like everyone talks about how his natural position is behind the forwards, but all his best performances for the first team at United have come on the flanks, you know. Well, no, absolutely, absolutely right. It's it's theory rather than, than uh, you know, empirical evidence at this stage. Yeah. Should we take some Twitter questions? Let's do it. Yeah, it seems like we, we should do that. That seems like a thing that we should do. Uh, at Brandon Ulrich 2 says, who do you want as captain and who will actually get it? And does it matter? Well, look, um, it matters symbolically, for sure. For me, I think that's the most important thing. It matters in terms of that link between the playing squad and the management. And Ryan Giggs will do that a little bit, but he's got to, he's got to morph his role in the coming season. So both of those reasons. I don't think the leadership on the pitch thing, you know, this kind of British view that you need to have a leader who shouts a lot. I, I'm not sure that's right. I think it's, it's, it's symbolism. You know, being an ambassador for the club, and it's also communicating between the manager and the set of players, right? And and for those two reasons, I think Wayne Rooney is the wrong man. You know, and this isn't just blind prejudice that I don't like Wayne Rooney or something. Although, you know, I don't like Wayne Rooney. That said, he had a brilliant preseason. I'm prepared to say that. I think he's not a good symbol for the club. He's not a good ambassador. Although he is the poster child, isn't he? He's the leading man they use in marketing which is one reason he might be pushed into that position. I'm not sure if he's he is a strong voice in the dressing room. Is he that kind of link between the playing staff and the management? He, he appears to be the link between you know, his agent and the management most of the time. Whereas, whereas Robin Van Persie fulfills both those roles, the other challenge, the tactical one, is that if you really think it matters, and I don't think it matters very much, it matters much less than in, say, cricket and rugby, to have a player on the pitch who's, who's shouting out the tactics, then you probably don't want it to be a forward. Uh, in which case... Uh, it's probably Michael Carrick or Johnny Evans or Darren Fletcher that come into play. So I, I think that Van Hal thinks it's extremely important. And the reason I think that is because he said he thinks it's extremely important. He said it's a player who can extend his philosophy onto the pitch. Yeah, which is that link between the playing staff and the and the management, right? And I don't buy for a second that Wayne Rooney is that. No, no, absolutely not. I think he might be given the job because... Uh, I think it might be prudent to do it in Van Hal's view, you know, uh, keep keep a player who's, who's uh, you know, Robin Van Persie knows he's loved, right? There's no doubt about that, right? Yeah. He's, he doesn't yeah. need his, his ego massage, really does. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a an important point. And I, I'm basically, the way I feel about this is I'm happy with whoever Van Hal picks. I'm not going to be upset if Van Hal picks Rooney as captain at all, because if he does... I kind of trust his reasoning. I would have been unhappy, and I was unhappy, the times when Moyes made Rooney captain because it felt aimless. You know what I mean? It felt just, it felt like obvious pandering, and it felt like he believed, I don't know, it's almost like the wrong qualities are being rewarded. Like you say, it's the sort of shouter on the pitch, because Rooney does shout on the pitch. He does G up the rest of the team. Uh, That's one of the things that he does. I mean, sometimes he he might G them down even a Mm. bit, but um, that stuff comes naturally to him. Mm. Well, here's a left field choice. Just give it to Darren Fletcher. Not only is he a a brilliant ambassador for the club uh, and a genuine leader on the pitch and off it, 
he's a very smart cookie, you know. I think he will become a very good coach in time. There you go. I, I say give it to Juan Mata because he's by far the way the most likable player at the club. Or De Gea, give it to De Gea, make him the captain. That'd be good. He'd be... have to speak some English first. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, uh, he's he's not good with the English. He's not. Mata is though. Um, at my impish grin, talking of Mata, says will Moyes Mata become our equivalent of Rioch Burkamp? I, I think there's a very good chance it was. I was asked by Typical City to do. Uh, some season preview stuff about United season and they asked whether there were any positives to come out of the Moyes era and I said apart from the fact that he's left the only one I can think of really is Mata which is a massive positive which was also a total mistake right this was not a strategy clearly because Moyes played him on the wing uh, and uh, bar a few loud voices in social media, I don't think anyone believes that Matter's best position is on the wing, right? So no, um, uh, and you know I don't need to name them. He's going to be a brilliant player for United this season. I- I'm fully sure that he'll get 20 goals. Um, well, maybe not because there's no Champions League. He'll get 15. Let's say he gets 15 in in the in the league and cup competitions at least, and he may well get 20. I think he's going to have a great season for United in his best position. Uh, and he'll be, uh, uh, you know, he'll go some way to justify that very high price. But it wasn't planned. It was an accident uh, and a happy accident. Uh, talking of typical city, at Alex underscore TIMP, who's one of the people that runs that site, says, how do you feel about media personality Paul Scholes? Bloody hell. I mean, he spent years avoiding the media and negotiating his own contracts, which means two things. Uh, he's broke. Uh, and he's got to be in every media outlet possible in order to top up his wages. It's interesting, actually, because I, I have mixed feelings about it. One, like anyone who does a column with Paddy Power, I start to have a sort of straight away a problem with because that is a, a properly despicable organisation in the way that they do PR and all that kind of stuff. So Allegedly, allegedly. No, no, they're... they're their PR is despicable that I'm talking about the public I'm not talking about anything they might allegedly do behind the scenes I don't know anything about that I mean the stuff that has reached my eyes I have found to be despicable <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah. opinion <laughs> yeah definitely it's opinion but anyway they are in my opinion despicable and it's sad to see Paul Skulls writing for them and I think maybe even did some stuff for the sun uh, or something like that which that's always a shame to see but I'm interested like I'm delighted he's going to BT Sport I'm really interested in what he's got to say about football more than most people like his first stint as a pundit it was where he just kind of laid into players not not out of malice or nastiness he's just got that Roy Keane attitude doesn't he well he doesn't give a stuff what anyone thinks which means he's going to be uh, he's quite refreshing as a pundit I'd say both in in print and uh, you know on the telly as well he's got this column for the indie which will be ghost written so he'll do an interview and then uh, It'll be written up. It'll be interesting to see what he says there. I don't think he's doing it for the sake of controversy. I think he, he's going to say some very frank things in the next year or so, and, and possibly quite a few of them about United since he isn't on the coaching books and doesn't owe the club anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Farhan underscore Ahmed says, the United squad clearly needs strengthening, but what are your middle names? I don't know if we can reveal that, can we? That might be top secret. No, what, what next do you want? Do you want uh, our date of birth and credit card numbers as well? Our mother's maiden names. Yeah, my my middle name is, is Schmeichel, Neville, Johnson, Stam, <laughs> Irwin, Beckham, Giggs. No. <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. I do indeed, but I suspect you probably like dropped one of them to add Eric Cantona's name in there somehow. Ah, uh, indeed. 
Um, yeah, we've had loads and loads and loads of Twitter questions, but lots and lots of them asking, like, how do you think LVG will do and who do you think we're going to sign and all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, this is a good one, though. Uh, at HLDSTDY says, what's Phil Jones' best position? Hashtag in a back three. We've got a whole, a whole new thing of like which of the <laughs> roles does he play? And I mean, in, in some ways, he's a very natural fit for that role in the middle because he's very comfortable bringing the ball out. But in other ways, he maybe looks more comfortable when the, the centre-back split than, than Smalling does. It is a real question, uh, the balance there. I mean, Evans looks like he's going to be playing on the left side of the three, but in many ways, he's the most comfortable in the possession of all of them, right? You know, lovely passer of the ball, Evans, and, and comfortable carrying it forward. He's old Lionel Evans. Uh, and then you're right Smalling looks very uncomfortable when he's he's pushed into those wide areas and but he's the, the man that's you wouldn't necessarily have as the spare man with the ball all the time because his distribution isn't good whereas he's a very good defender right so you'd want him as the stopper so it it Van Hal had to work the balance out, but there are some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Smalling said himself, it really suits him. Van Hal wants him to attack the ball and be aggressive. It's brilliant. It, you know, it, I, I think of all the things that you can say about the problems of the back three, as I said earlier, it really does allow our three senior, that's not even the right word, only really one of them counts as senior, but our, our three more experienced uh, centre-backs get to use their strengths more. Well, yeah, I mean, Smalling is the new Ron Vlaar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely and he's better than Ron Flart and the other thing that Smalling his distribution might not be great but he's he's pretty good on the ball like he's good carrying the ball uh, you know mm. he's got no problem with the dribble no 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 he's a, he's a good dribbler mainly after he's had 15 Jaeger bombs but yeah um, <laughs> yes. so so uh, brings us to uh, a bit of transfer news this week I suppose that United missed out on uh, Thomas Vermaelen the Arsenal captain although you call him captain in sort of parentheses I think because uh he didn't really play very much last season because of his form and his fitness. And it's kind of interesting that he won this one because never really thought he was good enough for United. And he's a beautiful passer of the ball, great left foot, right? And those the the two things that I guess Van Hal sees in him. He's looking past the, the actual performances over the last 18 months or so. And, and the fact that uh, the lapses in concentration have been a trait that have followed him throughout his career, right? He gives the opposition goals. So I have to say I'm not that upset that United missed out on him if if there is a plan B, right? Or, or I wonder whether he was plan B and plan A was Matt Hummels and that one's not going to happen. I mean, I think that's pretty clear that that was the case. And uh, it's weird that Vermeilen gets to choose between United and Barcelona, isn't it? It's like, that definitely seems to be failing upwards there. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, for Barcelona, they like playing midfielders at the back, so he's going to be a perfect fit. He can't defend, but he can pass the ball beautifully, and uh, he's just a perfect Barcelona defender. I can't believe he hasn't ended up at Bayern Munich. So, the season's coming up. Talking about Arsenal... I think they look a shoe in for the top four. Uh, they've strengthened again in a very high quality way this summer. Not necessarily addressing their key problems, but Sanchez is a very, very fine addition, isn't he? Well, look, they brought in Debussy at right back, and who's going to replace Bakari Sanya? He's a very good player, he's not a world class right back, I would pose, but I think he's going to do well. They, they also brought in Callum Chambers to challenge him, a very exciting young kid from Southampton, paid a lot of money for him, but. Uh, I suppose there's just a lot of money in the game. And then Alexis Sanchez had a fine World Cup. He's a fine player. 
he's a much better player than some people have you believe uh, on social media because <laughs> I mean he supposedly had a bad season for Barcelona last year he scored 21 goals I mean Christ if that's a bad season I'd love to, I'd love Ashley Young to have that kind of season so you know he's going to score a bag of goals for Arsenal It'll be interesting the, the balance they they play there is Giroud playing up front or Alexis play up front or Alexis sort of playing that sort of loose wide right role that Theo Walcott used to play for Arsenal they, uh, they've got a lot of attacking talent Arsenal the the lack of steel both at the back and in central midfield is still the issue uh, and uh, you know it looks like they tried to sign Kadira and seemed to have failed on that one because he wants a lot of money they definitely need an all action player if they go out and sign Vidal I, I will cry I think no, actually, literally, and I'll YouTube it for everyone uh, properly uh, because it would solve all their problems in one go. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be hard to not. It's going to be difficult to displace them from the top four, I would imagine. Liverpool have had a weird summer. They've lost Suarez, which is, I mean, it's just astronomical for them, isn't it? I think out of every one of the top sides, he was the player that one of those top teams was most reliant on. You know. Uh, he scored a ton of goals, but he's also just iconic for them, right? He's the player, the only player in that side that's genuinely at world-class level. I mean, Gerard certainly a, a fabulous player, but definitely getting it on a bit now, you know. They've not replaced like with like by any stretch of the imagination. They've, they've replaced like with Southampton, haven't they? They have. Ricky Lambert, mm, interesting. He's surely going to be squad filler. I'm sure that Sturridge will play through the middle. Um, Markovic, very exciting young player, but a young player coming to a new country. Uh, you wouldn't expect uh, brilliance from him straight away. Lalana, he's quality, but is he really £25 million worth of quality? So they've spent money, a lot of money, Liverpool. They've reinvested. They've done a Tottenham and spread it across a bunch of players. And, you know, it was saw what happened to Tottenham. I, I think there's a big question mark over Liverpool. I think if, if um, Rodgers gets Liverpool back into the top four, it will in many ways be a bigger achievement than um, finishing second last season it's a huge loss uh, I, there's not too many times that a, a side really progresses from selling their best player no absolutely and, and they're the ones that are the most vulnerable because I mean Chelsea have strengthened enormously and in, in, and done it very well as well you know Fabregas is the goal scoring midfielder in replacement for Lampard had Costa and Drogba up front Courtois uh, brought in uh, not exactly getting weaker in the goalkeeping department there are they so uh, it looks like a Mourinho side to me yeah absolutely I mean the Costa thing is interesting because he is Malleche as they say um, whether he'll be on form and happy all throughout the season remains to be seen I don't think it's he's not a player that necessarily is going to guarantee that he's going to have the kind of season he had last season because he's never really had that kind of season before has he right when you when you saw him like clogging it around the Valladolid and and you know other sort of ranked sides there was no guarantee he was ever going to become a top player so there's a school of thought that says that was probably his one brilliant season there's another school of thought that says that he's just the perfect player for a Mourinho system you know he He's going to hold up the ball. He's going to bully defenders. Yeah. He's going to allow the, those attacking players to flood from midfield. They've got plenty of steel at the back. Uh, brought in Felipe Luis, you know, very experienced, uh, very high quality left back. Uh, going to give them some balance. Uh, Matic, 
um, has had half a season to get used to English football again. He was very good the second half of the season anyway. So I, I think they are going to seriously challenge City for the title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and City, I know they signed somebody called Fernando, but I only knew that because I think it's funny that they've got Fernando and Fernandinho and I can't wait for them to sign Fernando. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's a good defensive player from defensive midfielder from Porto and, uh, you know, he's going to add a bit of steel in there. He might not play every game. Um, they've been a bit low-key, haven't they? Willie Caballero has come in as backup goalkeeper to Joe Hart. Uh, and they've brought in Sanya at right-back, you know? So you wonder whether they'll they'll chuck some money at a, and a really high-quality player before the uh, summer is out. I think that the, the Caballero, the Willie signing, is, is a huge one because the... Um, Joe Hart needs a good quality understudy for the periods of time when he has a Joe Hart. I think that's actually really quite a significant signing for them. Yeah, I don't know. As you say, you would sort of expect that. On the other hand, it looks like they're keeping Toure. So that's weird, given everything that he said. But that would be huge for them uh, if he's sort of motivated. And it'll be interesting to see whether what happens last time happens to them, the after the Lord Mayor's show thing that happened after they won the league last time. But I think given that they won the league in sort of slightly less dramatic fashion this time, that might be there might be less emotional fallout. And it's the second time they won it, not the first. Yes, well, Gary Neville makes that point in his uh, Telegraph column uh, this week, doesn't he? That, you know, you wonder whether the mentality is quite right with that squad. I, I think they've got a better manager now in Pellegrini and, uh, and more experience. And I would be really surprised if they fall away in the same way. I think they want to have a real good shot at the Champions League, though. So that that might be yeah. that might be an issue that that swings it in Chelsea's favour. Although, of course, you know they they're going to be challenging there too. United, on the other hand, I mean, it's an obvious one. We'll benefit from not having European football. It was, uh, in, you know, sure in the commercial sense, it would have been better to be in the Europa League. It's going to cost United twenty million pounds or so, uh, having no European football from a a, a kudos standpoint. Not being in Europe at all is it feels like United are out of the the spotlight, uh, and, and, and for sure the club is. Um, but but having those you know midweeks free and Van Hal able to to work the new system on the training pitch is going to be hugely beneficial. You know it's it's it might be the difference between. United um, coming third or fourth or not, and it might be the difference between United winning the league or not because I I don't not that like I'm predicting United to win the league, but I definitely don't think it's impossible. Depending on who we sign uh, between now and and the end of the window, if we sign Vidal and a top quality centre back, I don't see how we're not right up there with the very favourites to win the league. You know, right? So I think United are, are short of that extra centre back. It's going to bite. Evans, Smalling and, and Jones all get injuries. Central midfield, massive gaping hole. No attacking wide players of any kind of note. We won't be one-dimensional, but there might not be a plan B. Um, and, and against some sides, you might want a plan B. And can they get Rooney and Van Persie working as the right kind of tandem and keep them fit? Right. So there are too many question marks for me for United to, to challenge for the title. Um, you know, it might be like that conversation last year when I said uh, there's no way United are anywhere near the title and you said United were going to win. Yeah, but I did say that's because I thought that they were going to make a marquee signing between then and the end of the, the transfer window. Well, and, you walk, walk it back, Ansel. No, I walk said, it back. I, I'm not walking it back. That's what I, I said it at the time. Um, I think the the wide attacking player is interesting because the Quadrado thing keeps one go away. And also Di Maria, who is definitely just using us as weird second choice to 
get the move to PSG, but apparently PSG went, nope, sorry, too much. Um, so I just hope we don't take Cavani off PSG's books, enabling them to sign Angel de Maria. That would be so depressing if that happened. This is one being pushed by Ed Woodward, right? No one else. I, I can't believe that Van Hal actually wants him. What was the... I mean... I watched him last night for PSG versus Reims and every time I see this guy I'm like I know he scored a ton of goals at Napoli I know he scored that I know up front he's a very dangerous centre forward he's a brilliant finisher he's physical he's got lots in his locker but no thanks no thanks at all we just don't need a striker like it's the last thing we need don't need that striker either right right yeah yeah, so anyway, um, if he comes and scores 40 goals in the season, I'll be delighted. But it seems remarkably unlikely to me that that'll happen. Anyway, so it's possible that we'd strengthen in the wide attacking areas too. And then, you know, the the reason that I think that United could challenge for the title, and I'm absolutely, this is not me saying they're going to win the league. I'm, I'm saying they could challenge for the title because everything you've said is a question mark. And... You, there are too many question marks for it to be mathematically likely, but there's a route through those question marks where there's a tick at the end of each question, where the centre-backs don't get injured, where Herrera stays fit all season, where we do sign uh, a substantial midfield replacement and the system works. And the the sort of lack of really good wingers in the Premier League means this is actually mm. one of the the better time like we are we might be in trouble against some of the bigger sides but that doesn't really matter like when it comes to winning the league it's not that those aren't the things that matter too much no no sure um going back to quadrado for a minute i mean you know i have to say i don't i don't actually buy that united are interested i think this is uh, fiorentina uh, using united but you know let's just say for a moment i'm wrong it's been known to happen very rarely i might add very rarely, just the odd small thing. Uh, let's let's not talk about you know Ferguson two thousand and five or anything like that. <laughs> but he's an interesting player because you know I'm not sure he's quite of the the right quality for United. But he had a very good World Cup in a wide forward position in a four three three for for Colombia and for um, for Fiorentina he played most often on the left wing uh, and then sometimes at right back and then sometimes on the right wing and sometimes in central midfield uh, and you know is that you go look at his uh, sort of stats from last season and it's it's hilarious he's played in eight different positions for Fiorentina last season all over the place you know he's he maybe he's the new John O'Shea the thing about those stats though is they're all so brilliant like his who scored rate not that that this is not a by any stretch of the imagination me saying that means I think he's brilliant, but I'm just saying his numerical output last season was really phenomenal. <laughs> like he's got an incredibly, uh, incredibly good statistical output from last season from all those different positions. The same exact goals and assists as Vidal, weirdly, uh, eleven goals and five assists. That seems to be the benchmark that that means we're in for you if you can get eleven goals and five assists in Syria. Mm. Well, yeah, but but um, he also carries the ball forward which uh, yeah. not too many other United players are going to do right I mean the question is like this is all speculation because I, I preface this by saying I don't think United are actually really interested but it's, he's an interesting player so it's, it's worth talking about you know you, you figure that he'd be the man playing at right wing back right or he'd be a man that would allow United to switch to a new formation if that's required and I, I do think that kind of lack of balance is is an issue right so so does Van Hal. so does Van Hal, right so at one point you're going to work out as the opposition exactly how United play in this 
two formation. It's quite narrow if you can isolate those fullbacks, right? So uh, in in attacking situations, the opposition you switch the ball from left to right, and in defensive situations you can leave 1v1 in wide areas and play quite narrow right so it makes it a little easier to defend against United and might mean uh, that United play on the break a little bit more than we might be used to right so you want in some situations especially at home to be able to switch to a different formation and at the moment it doesn't look like the squad is quite balanced there or if they do you're going to get what happened last year to some extent, right? So, you know, pretty one-dimensional players in, in wide positions. So it doesn't feel quite right. So he's Quadrado is a man that might help United transform. There are others. Though. Yeah, certainly. Um, and we'll see between now and September, the Rankcast, this is it. We're back. We're up and running. We'll be here every week except for international breaks. Thank you very much if you've uh, come back and joined us. And an absolutely massive thanks to everyone who contributed to, to this show. It's it's really much appreciated that people took their time to do it and the biggest thanks of all I have to say go to producer Tom without whom there would not be another season of the rank cast so that is uh, very much appreciated indeed the one thing we haven't done of course is predict what's going to happen both in the season ahead in general and also the Swansea game because of course the, there is a, a football match a competitive Manchester United football match happening this weekend and United play Swansea 12.45 kickoff. you said that the, uh, we could probably get a solid 9 out of 11 of the starting a lineup, and I think we're talking about De Gea, Smalling, Evans, Jones, Herrera, Fletcher, Mata, Welbeck if he's fit, Rooney, and then I would go for Valencia and Young in the two fullback roles. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the, the question marks, whether whether Shaw is up to the fitness standards, uh, Van Gaal demands, uh, and if not, maybe Young will play there. Interesting choice. Always feel slightly uneasy about that. Valencia will play at right wing back as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's only really a couple of question marks in the whole side. Um, Of course, United opened the season last season against Swansea and won 4-1. So anything less than that and Van Gaal will be a failure and and the hashtag LVG out will be rearing its ugly head. I suppose we'll see nice football from United. Swansea are a great opposition, I feel like, to have at Old Trafford for the first game of the season because they'll let United play. And it's going to be interesting to see how, how Swansea do this season. Gary Monk in charge there, right? If I've not got myself muddled over the summer and yes it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if Swansea can put any kind of run together I think not so um look let's uh let's let's do some predictions for the season ahead Uh, who do you think will win the league and where will United finish I think Chelsea will win the league and United will finish third and I revise that if we sign Vidal and a top quality centre back yeah uh good good shouts um I think Chelsea will win the league very, very narrowly from Manchester City, could go all the way. And I think United will finish third or fourth. I suppose I'm not allowed to sit on the fence here, so I'm going to say third. Jesus, that's classic Ed, that is. Like, the tone of the whole discussion is, like, all about the kind of, well, this is probably wrong and that's probably wrong. But when it comes down to it, you're always going to back United. Well, well, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, look, I think, there are, I think Liverpool could have a, a difficult season, right? Uh, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be... I'll be more surprised... 
if they finish in the top four, then uh, I will be if they finish outside of it. Yeah, but Arsenal, on the other hand, may well... If Arsenal were managed by Van Gaal, I'd be predicting they win the league at this point. But yeah, anyway, they could be stronger than United. You could, you could see that. But they're just, they're just Arsenal, aren't they? So you'd think there's going to be a bit of Arsenaling it up happening. You, you, yes, you, you do, definitely. So uh, cup competitions where United uh, have a run in the FA Cup and won it for more than a decade. How funny would it be if United, the first season Rio Ferdinand leaves, they win the FA Cup. All those years of Fergie going, BQ, oh, you know, in the final. Yep. Rio's never won it, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Ferguson, Ferguson didn't take the FA Cup very seriously for quite a number of years. So United could have a run its cup competition. So, you know, it's hard to predict a winner. but It is, but I'm going to predict United win that. I well, don't see, there's no reason why we shouldn't. We've... Let's book our tickets for Wembley now then, <laughs> shall we? We should, uh, we should be putting everything into that, really, shouldn't we? You know, we need the squad rotation. We need the games, yeah, for the mega squad that Van Hal has at the moment. And the Champions League, I know United aren't in it, so, you know, it's it's dead to me. It's here. Meh. D- don't care. It's there. There isn't a Champions League this season, is there? No, no. I, I'm uh, going for uh, Apoel from uh, Cyprus <laughs> to win it. No, I, I, it's hard to look past Real Madrid with their quality. I know that no one has ever defended the Champions League in its current format, but um, they have the best squad. Do they not? Uh, they've got one of the best squads. Barcelona's squad's brilliant. Bayern. It is, but they've just changed their manager, and they, they're. Uh, but it's a yeah. massive upgrade, though, I think. That's the thing about their management change. Like, I think they've got a much better manager than they had last season. And and Bayern Munich, like, they're going to be, you know, they'll be stinging after last season. And uh, uh, yeah, Germany absolutely. won the World and, Cup. Uh, and, and they've improved because they've got Lewandowski, yeah. who's, uh, you know, a very, very fine forward. I mean, they have lost Tony Cruz, but uh, I guess uh, Thiago Alcantara will... Will fill in there very ably as well, very talented player who can stay fit. No, true, you know, Champions League will be competitive. Who cares, though? Who cares? Yeah, absolutely. We, we will midweek be watching the reserves. <laughs> Clearly. There'll be something quite enjoyable about watching the Champions League as completely uninvested neutral, but. Well, not quite, because Liverpool are in it, so we'll definitely be invested <laughs> in their games. Um, yeah, um, so Carling Cup, who wins the Carling Cup this season? Uh, well, there's a pattern, isn't there, to the Carling Cup that some crappy teams win it. So uh, let's let's say that uh, Liverpool win the Carling Cup. <laughs> um, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how Van Hal uses the Carling Cup. Kids, kids, yeah, but genuinely kids though, rather than you know Park Ji Sung and Michael Owen. Talking to Park Ji Sung, uh, shall we leave it on a moment of levity? Did you see uh, Park's wedding this summer? And, uh, in all its beautiful crassness, it was absolutely lovely. the uh, The picture of the two of them with some little bunny rabbits was the highlight for me. Yeah, yeah, settle that one. I wonder what they were up to that evening. Oh, that's out of order, man. I don't think that's what it pertained to. <laughs> that's in my mind. That's what it <laughs> most definitely pertained to. Um, it was nice to see uh, Patrice Evra was there. That was a relief because at, at one second it looked like he wouldn't be. And I guess we should a word for Patrice Evra because he's gone, Ed. I'm really sad about that. I I love Patrice Evra, and it would have been he would have been so helpful to have around this season. No, no, absolutely. I mean, didn't didn't we say at the end of last season of of the three of, of Vidic who'd already made his mind up and regrets it apparently, and uh, Ferdinand had to go. And Evra, you'd you'd have kept uh, Evra because um, because of the the just the, the the need for a backup to Luke Shaw, uh, you know, and and the fact that United playing a sort of three four one two, 
system might have suited Everett too. Yeah, although I think he probably wants to, you know, you can't really resent, he's given everything to United, hasn't he, for such a long time, and he probably wants to just have a little bit of a different experience. And and you do think a defender at that age moving to Serie A probably does maybe even give this, give themselves another season or two, you know. He does, I, I think that's right, yeah, he does. Anyway, I, I guess that's it for our season preview, mega season preview, uh, as I preface at the beginning of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, throughout the course of the season, if you want to get me, you can get me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. You can get both of us on Facebook.com slash United Rant and uh, leave comments on the show page and read all the stuff that Ed puts at UnitedRant.co.uk. Uh, you can read my stuff on the Bleach Report if you want to. And um, Just don't look at the headlines. <laughs> There was just that one. Anyway, and I really do not write the headlines. Uh, anyway, um, but they're good. They're great. All the headlines are great. The lady does protest too much. <laughs> uh, uk slash donate if you want to keep the wheels turning on this podcast. It uh, contributes to equipment uh, to replace my microphone in the summer and uh, bandwidth costs m- mostly to the point. That's the, the key expense. So uh, at the beginning of the season, we, we, we want to keep this ad free. We don't want to sell out to Paddy Power like Paul Skulls has. And, and if you if you want to show your appreciation yeah, you can you can donate or or send gifts <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah sure we're, we're not above bribery we cash for <laughs> questions right so absolutely we've got some treats to give away at some point i've got a bunch of books that were supposed to give away during the world cup that we forgot all about but anyway we'll give them away on the podcast at some point in the season ahead but for now in traditional rank cast fashion we end with a prediction for the score against swansea city at home look i i said that united has to go one better than Moyes, right united won four one so i'm going to predict five one ridiculous but it's going to be five one <laughs> to united all right, I'm going to go with a slightly more reasoned 3-1. Reason, sound logic. Uh, Holland opened the World Cup uh, with, with 5-1. It, it yeah. feels a natural fit to me. <laughs> Good point, and I'd love to see it. And uh, we'd love to see you back this time next week.